Chapter Seven of the Doings of Raffles Haw by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Workings of Wealth. It can easily be believed that as the weeks passed, the name and fame of the mysterious owner of the new hall resounded over the quiet countryside until the rumor of him had spread to the remotest corners of Warwickshire and Staffordshire. In Birmingham, on the one side, and in Coventry and Leamington, on the other, there was gossip as to his untold riches, his extraordinary whims, and the remarkable life which he led. His name was bandied from mouth to mouth, and a thousand efforts were made to find out who and what he was. In spite of all their pains, however, the newsmongers were unable to discover the slightest trace of his antecedents, or to form even a guess as to the secrets of his wishes it was no wonder that conjecture was rife upon the subject for hardly a day passed without furnishing some new instance of the boundless of his power and the goodness of his heart through the vicar robert and others he had learned much of the inner life of the parish and many were the times when the struggling man harassed and driven to the wall found thrust into his hands some morning a brief note with an enclosure which rolled all the sorrow back from his life one day a thick double-breasted pea-jacket and a pair of good sturdy boots were served out to every old man in the almshouse on another miss swire the decayed gentlewoman who eked out her small annuity by needlework had a brand-new first-class sewing-machine handed in to her to take the place of the old worn-out treadle which tried her rheumatic joints the pale-faced schoolmaster who had spent years with hardly a break in struggling with the juvenile obtuseness of Tamfield, received through the post a circular ticket for two months' tour through southern Europe, with hotel coupons and all complete. John Hackett, the farmer, after five long years of bad seasons, born with a brave heart, had at last been overthrown by the sixth, and had the bailiffs actually in the house when the good vicar had rushed in, waving a note above his head, tell him not only that his deficit had been made up but that enough remained over to provide the improved machinery which would enable him to hold his own for the future an almost superstitious feeling came upon the rustic folk as they looked at the great palace when the sun gleamed upon the huge hothouses even more so perhaps when at night the brilliant electric lights shot their white radiance through the countless rows of windows to them it was as if some minor providence presided in that great place, unseen but seeing all, boundless in its power and its graciousness, ever ready to assist and to befriend. In every good deed, however, Raffles Haw still remained in the background, while the vicar and Robert had the pleasant task of conveying his benefits to the lowly and the suffering. Only once did he appear in his own person, and that was upon the famous occasion when he saved the well-known bank of Garweg Brothers in Birmingham. The most charitable and upright men, the two brothers, Lewis and Rupert, had built up a business which extended its ramifications into every townlet of four counties. The failure of their London agents had suddenly brought a heavy loss upon them, and the circumstances leaked out and caused a sudden and most dangerous run upon their establishment urgent telegrams for bullion from all their forty branches poured in at the very instant when the head office was crowded with anxious clients all waving their deposit books and clamoring for their money bravely did the two brothers with their staff stand with smiling faces behind the shining counter 
while swift messengers sped and telegrams flashed to draw in all the available resources to the bank all day the stream poured through the office and when four o'clock came and the doors were closed for the day the street was still blocked by the expectant crowd while there remained scarce a thousand pounds of bullion in the cellars it is only postponed lewis said the brother rupert despairingly when the last clerk had left the office and when at last they could relax a fixed smile upon their haggard faces those shutters will never come down again cried brother lewis and the two suddenly burst out sobbing in each other's arms not for their own griefs but for the miseries which they might bring upon those who had trusted them but who shall ever dare to say there is no hope if he will but give his griefs to the world that very night mrs spurling had received a letter from her old school friend mrs lewis garraweg with all her fears and her hopes poured out on it and the whole sad story of their troubles swift from the vicarage went the message to the hall and early next morning mr raffles haw with a great black carpet-bag in his hand found means to draw the cashier of the local branch of the bank of england from his breakfast and to persuade him to open his doors at unofficial hours by half-past nine the crowd had already begun to collect around garraweg's when a stranger pale and thin with a bloated carpet-bag was shown at his own very pressing request into the bank parlour it is no use sir said the elder brother humbly as they stood together encouraging each other to turn a brave face to the misfortune we can do no more we have little left and it would be unfair to the others to pay you now we can but hope that when our assets are realized no one will be the loser save ourselves i did not come to draw out but to put in said raffles haw in his demure apologetic fashion i have in my bag five thousand hundred pound bank of england notes if you will have the goodness to place them to my credit account i shall be extremely obliged but but good heavens sir stammered rupert garraweg have you not heard have you not seen we cannot allow you to do this thing blindfold can we lewis most certainly not we cannot recommend our bank sir at the present moment for there is a run upon us and we do not know of what lengths it may go tut tut said raffles haw if the run continues you must send me a wire and i shall make a small addition to my account you will send me a receipt by post good morning gentlemen he bowed himself out ere the astounded partners could realize what had befallen them or raise their eyes from the huge black bag and the visiting card which lay upon their table there was no great failure in birmingham that day and the house of garraweg still survives to enjoy the success which it deserves such were the deeds by which raffles haw made himself known throughout the midlands and yet in spite of all his open-handedness he was not a man to be imposed upon in vain the sturdy beggar cringed at his gate and in vain the crafty letter-writer poured out a thousand fabulous woes upon paper robert was astonished when he brought some tale of trouble to the hall to observe how swift was the perception of the recluse and how unerringly he could detect a flaw in narrative or lay his finger upon the one point which rang false were a man strong enough to help himself or of such a nature as to profit nothing by help none would he get from the master of the new hall in vain for example did old mcintyre throw himself continually across the path of the millionaire and impressed upon him by a thousand hints and innuendos the hard fortune which had been dealt him and the ease with which his fallen greatness might be restored raffles haw listened politely bowed smiled 
but never showed the slightest inclination to restore the querulous old gunmaker to his pedestal but if the recluse's wealth was the lure which drew the beggars from far and near as the lamps drew the moss it had the same strange power of attraction upon another and much more dangerous class strange hard faces were seen in the village prowling figures were marked at night stealing about among the fir plantations and warning messages arrived from city police and country constabulary to say that evil visitors were known to have taken the train to tamfield but if as raffles haw held there were few limits to the power of immense wealth it possessed among other things the power of self-preservation as one or two people were to learn it to their cost would you mind stepping up to the hall he said one morning putting his head in at the door of the elmdene sitting-room i have something there that might amuse you he was on intimate terms with the mcintyres now and there were a few days on which they did not see something of each other they gladly accompanied him all three for such invitations were usually the prelude of some agreeable surprise which he had in store for them i have shown you a tiger he remarked to laura as he led them into the dining-room i will now show you something quite as dangerous though not nearly so pretty there was an arrangement of mirrors at one end of the room with a large circular glass set at a sharp angle at the top look in there in the upper glass said raffles haw good gracious what dreadful-looking men cried laura there are two of them and i don't know which is the worse what on earth are they doing asked robert they appear to be sitting on the ground in some sort of cellar most dangerous-looking characters said the old man i should strongly recommend you send for a policeman i have done so but it seems a work of supererogation to take them to prison for they are very snugly in prison already however i suppose that the law must have its own and who are they and how did they come here do tell us mr haw laura mcintyre had a pretty beseeching way with her which went rather piquantly with her queenly style of beauty i know no more than, than you do they were not there last night and they are here this morning so i suppose it is a safe inference that they came in during the night especially as my servants found the window open when they came down as to their character and intentions i should think that it is pretty legible upon their faces they look a pair of beauties don't they but i cannot understand the least who they are said robert staring into the mirror one of them is taken to butting his head against the wall no he is bending so that the other may stand upon his back he is up there now and the light is shining on his face what a bewildered ruffinly face it is too i should so like to sketch it it would be a study for the picture i am thinking of of the reign of terror i have caught them in my patent burglary trap said haw they are my first birds but i have no doubt that they will not be the last i will show you how it works it is quite a new thing the flooring is now as strong as possible but every night i disconnect it it is done simultaneously by a central machine for every room on the ground floor when the floor is disconnected one may advance three or four steps either from the window or door and then the whole part turns on hinges and slides you into a padded strong room beneath where you may kick your heels until you are released there is a central oasis between the hinges where the furniture is grouped for the night the flooring flies into position again when the weight of the intruders is removed and there he must bide well i can always take a peep at him by this little optical arrangement i thought it might amuse you to have a look at my prisoners before i handed them over to the head constable who i see is now coming up the avenue the poor burglars cried laura it is no wonder that they look bewildered for i suppose mr haw that they neither know where they are nor how they came here 
I am so glad to know that you guard yourself in this way, for I have often thought that you ran into danger. Have you so? he said, smiling round at her. I think that my house is fairly burglar-proof. I have one window, which may be used as an entrance, the centre one of the three of my laboratory. I keep it so because, to tell the truth, I am somewhat of a night prowler myself, and when I treat myself to a ramble under the stars, I like to slip in and out without ceremony. It would be, however, a fortunate rogue who picked the only safe entrance out of a hundred, and even then he might find pitfalls. Here is the constable. But you must not go, for Mrs. McIntyre has still something to see in my little place. If you will step into the billiard room, I shall be with you in a few moments. End of chapter 7